Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Hauntedly. I'm your host, Vanessa, and I have to apologize because I just realized that this is now episode number 11 and I haven't been introducing myself. So I apologize if you weren't sure. That's me. I'm Vanessa. That is my name. Before I get too far into today's episode, I want to play you a little promo clip for the awesome ladies over at Dead Time Stories. So take a listen to that, and then we will go back and get started on today's episode. Hey guys, I'm Sarah. And I'm Stephanie. And we're the hosts of Dead Time Stories. Dead Time Stories, with a Z, is a weekly podcast where we tell you stories of ghosts, hauntings, mysteries, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, the generally eerie, spooky, and all around weird. If you like scary stories, witty banter, and classy broads, we're your ghouls. Gals. Gals. Some of our stories include Eastern State Penitentiary. No. And where is it? Does it sum up 12? The Gettysburg Dime Museum. They were like, show starts at five, Mr. President. He was like, thank you, five. No, 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 seven. He was like, thank you, five. <laughs> fort Mifflin. So the Americans burned down their own fort. They were like, oh, you, 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 want, this? you want this? Come well, and get Welcome it. to Philly. <laughs> and more. New episodes are posted Thursdays at midnight on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Listen and subscribe, rate and review today. Definitely check them out the next time you're downloading your podcast and looking for something new to listen to. It's a great podcast. Today's episode is going to be all about one of my favorite things, which is gnomes. They go by many names. Gnome, Tomta, Dewendes, Goblins, Pixies, Brownies. There's lots of them. They've been seen across the globe. They're not just in your garden, although I do love a good garden gnome. I'm just putting that out there. I kind of have a problem. Like right now I have Godzilla eating some lawn gnomes out front. I had a Mickey lawn gnome on the back porch. I really wanted the mini that went with it, but they don't sell that anymore. So, you know, like I, I have a, I have gnomes on everything and I've like turned my best friend onto gnomes and she lived in Germany for a couple of years. So like there's a lot of gnomes going on right now, which I am totally okay with. And if you're looking for a gnome Instagram account to follow a traveling gnome, I will link Geronimo, the traveling gnome, in the uh, comment section because he has been and helped record a podcast uh, because he travels with the bestie. So it's just for fun. Anyway, today we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about gnomes. I decided that that would be a good creature episode to do. So for this particular podcast, because you could do many, because each culture's version of a gnome is actually pretty different. Like, they're all very similar in some ways, but they all have pretty intense differences, too. So for this one, we're going to talk about duendes, which are from Iberian, Latin American, Filipino cultures. At their most basic, they're basically supposed to be a small, mischievous creature that inhabits some kind of dwelling. In Spain... Their version of the duende is broken up into a plethora of different types. If you research there, there's like 25 different types or something ridiculous like that. Each one has a different trait. I am not going to list them all here. We're going to talk about them sort of more in the Latin American context. But if you're interested, go search for them online. They're really, it's, it's kind of interesting to go through and see exactly what 
they consider to be a Duende because there's actually a lot of creatures that fall under that category that I would call other things. They run the range from like beautiful nymphs that have sit and brush their hair to the protectors of forests, which is more like what we're going to talk about today. Most of them are, as a general rule, pretty small statured, between two and four feet tall, and they have no thumbs. This is like a key identifying feature of a Duende, is that they have no thumbs. My cat would hate them. No thumbs, you can't open the can. They wear pointed hats. They generally live in and protect forests and the creatures in forests. In Portugal and in Latin America as a whole. This one, some of these things they attribute to specific places, but they're really more sort of a universal thing. It just depends on where you're from as to what form it takes. They whistle and they lure children into the woods. Sometimes they also help people find their way out of the woods if you're lost. And I apologize if you can hear traffic behind me. I am sitting in the library parking lot recording this and apparently today is the day to go places? Who knew? Usually they are centered around forests, sometimes caves, but generally in nature. They are also found in the walls of homes. Now, there is one really specific exception in, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong and I apologize, Oaxaca. I know, I always, I, I took French, not Spanish, so forgive me if I'm pronouncing these really wrong. I try. They live in the walls of homes and they sneak out at night and try to clip children's toenails, but sometimes that results in the children losing an entire toe, which seems like a problem. But nobody ever says what they're doing with these toenails and or toes. Like, nobody says, hey, the Duende collect them because the children's feet are messy, because apparently they like things to be neat. But they don't say what they're going to do with all these toenails. So I find that part a little bit weird. But at the same time, like, many of the Latin American Duendes do this. So I, I don't know what the connection is. The only connection I can think of is, you know, in, when you're talking about witch folklore they collected toenail clippings and hair because then you used it in spells but then they don't talk about the duende making spells so i'm not really sure why but that's what they do the descriptions from those people who have seen duendes have been attributed to a lot of things they're crazy you know it's a kid nobody believes them but there have been some that were legitimate like forestry officers and they all recorded these creatures they had seen and these descriptions generally could could match some type of monkey or primate and the ones in belize in particular they're like well it could be a howler monkey or a spider monkey because the description sort of it would most closely match those primates however they all talk about how they're only two or three feet tall which those monkeys are not that small so they aren't sure how exactly the height relates, but they could be that, they say. Uh, they're also seen holding or wearing a hat made of woven palm branches. Generally speaking, unless we're talking about Curious George, monkeys don't wear hats. So that one would seem to be a rather large red flag that maybe it's not a monkey. And it is interesting to note, even though these are all definitely from European mythology, there is one legend from the Mayans that would seem to indicate a connection to Duendes uh, because they had a deity who was very small, wore a huge hat and nothing else, and roamed the forest. 
and he would come out to place gifts at the temples and then return to the forest. While that's really close to the mythology of the Duendes in terms of appearance, Duendes are definitely European. On the Iberian Peninsula in particular, the folklore has really specific descriptions. The Duendes are three feet tall, they wear a red hat, they have clothes made of animal hides, and they either live in caves, forests, or the walls of your home. They're not considered either good or bad. They're mischievous, and they can kind of go either direction, but inherently they're, they're neither. They're known to whistle in the forest, and it's often said that if you hear whistling in the woods, you'd better leave, or you could get lost in there forever. Um, apparently, I didn't know this was a thing, but apparently there's a superstition that you should not whistle in the woods. One of the reasons, one of many reasons I have found, is that because if you whistle in the woods, you will attract the attention of the Duende. I had no idea that you shouldn't whistle in the woods. It's not normally something I do, which I guess is good, but I didn't know that was a thing. Because the Duende has no thumbs, if by chance you're in the woods, you're whistling on your way home, and you're caught by one, you do have one method of escape. You can hide your thumb in your hand, and when the Duende notices that you don't appear to have a thumb, he will think that somehow you're related to him, and then he lets you go. Like so many creatures, they're used to scare children to keep them in line. Your mom threatens you when you're going outside to play, and says, don't go too far into the forest or the Duendes will take you away. It's a way to keep, you know, keeps kids from going too far and getting lost and doing things they shouldn't. It's also interesting that Duendes are often said to be seen mostly by children, 12 and under. Most adults don't seem to see them. It's almost all kids talked about in stories. And the stories I found online, most of them were kids when they said they saw it. And they do seem to gravitate towards children. I mean, they are trying to collect their toenails. It's very specifically kids' toenails, too. It's not just anybody. Kids' toenails. So I, I find that interesting that it is really kid-centered. Some legends, especially the ones when they talk about duendes living in house walls, uh, talk about how duendes like things to be kept neat and tidy and will clean during the night, which is kind of like a brownie. Not like the kind you eat. Like the brownie pixie. That kind of legend. Uh, they're helpful creatures as long as you leave them some kind of offering of food and drink. Um, traditionally, it's things like honey and bread, that kind of thing. But if you forget, especially if you've seen one and forget to leave them an offering, they are likely to do the opposite and they cause messes, they break things, and they generally wreak havoc in your home. They're an interesting topic to just go and read about. And surprisingly, I was really surprised because usually with this kind of thing, you go online, you do an internet search, you find lots of folklore, but you don't find so many first-hand experiences. But there's a lot of stories about the Duende out there. The USC Digital Folklore Archives have several first-person accounts of people who are talking about Duendes. And I found way more on Reddit and just online in forums than I ever expected. And I have a couple that I'm actually going to share with you today. I had a whole bunch that I had emailed and asked permission to use, but these are the ones that I have heard back from. Our first story comes from Anonymous. In my early 20s, I saw what I've always called an imp. Twice. It looked like a gremlin from the movie. Not the cute, dry, fuzzy gizmo, but the scary one. Probably around six to eight inches tall. 
The first time, it darted across the back of a couch and vanished. The second time, I was standing in the center of the room, opening a pack of strawberry bubble yum gum. The first piece fell out and bounced over to land on the floor next to the corner of the couch. A little clawed imp hand reached out from under the couch and put its hands on it, and as I registered what I was seeing, it stuck its head out kind of sideways and grinned up at me, then snatched the gum and disappeared back under the couch. Its grin was just like the gremlins in the movie. I was like, okay, that gum is absolutely yours now. Later on, when I was brave enough to pull the couch out, the gum was not there. I know it sounds absurd, but it's the truth. I was completely drug and alcohol free, and I am not mentally ill. I never, ever, ever reach my hand under couches or anything like that, even now, 20 years later. I, I would probably buy all furniture that sits straight on the floor from now on. I would not be sticking my hand under anything I am with you. It wouldn't matter how 90 years from then I wouldn't be doing it. This was like, I've never actually seen the Gremlins movie, but I can remember as a kid seeing the previews for the Gremlins movie come up on like commercials. And I was so afraid of the scary Gremlins. Even though I hadn't seen the movie, I thought that uh, like I wouldn't hide in my mom's closet because I thought they lived in her like boxes in the top of the closet. So this is terrifying. There is no way I would have like dropped the whole pack of bubble gum and been like, here, it's yours. Take it. I'm leaving. Uh, peace out. I'm moving. I'm never coming back. Our second story comes from Reddit user Omarion07. And I have links to all of the places I did research and all of these things on the show notes page. Growing up with a Mexican grandmother in Southern California, I grew up listening to tales of El Diablo, the devil, phantasmas, ghosts, most notably La Llorona, the spirit of a woman who lost her children and wanders nights looking for kids to claim as her own. My family would use this story as a way to make sure the kids wouldn't be home out late at night. I also grew up hearing about duendes or gnomes, though not just from my abuela, my grandmother would tell stories of duendes playing tricks on people in the forest. She told a story that she once saw some as a child. Growing up, I would go to large family gatherings, the kind where everyone is a tío or an uncle, a tía or an aunt, or primo, cousin, even if they really weren't. So at one of these family gatherings, I must have been around 15 years old at the time, there was a large group of younger primas. The group consisted of about six or so female cousins ranging from five to twelve. You would always see them playing together, always smiling, always happy. So at this particular family gathering, I noticed the oldest one, I'll call her Jackie, off in a corner watching them play. She had a despondent look on her face which I had never seen before. I asked her what was the matter and she'd shake her head. I left her alone for a while and later on she approached me and said she could tell me but I wouldn't believe her. I told her I'd try my best to believe her, and she told me that she'd tell me, but that I wouldn't believe her, and that she didn't care if I did or not. She appeared almost scared to tell me. So her story goes that she saw duendes creep into her room that she shared with her younger sister. She said she saw four duendes come into her room from her open window, climb up her dresser, take something, and leave. I'm sure she gave other details, but it's been too long to remember. I'd love to ask her now as an adult, but it's been years since I've seen or heard of her. At 15, my first impression 
was she was making this all up, but I found it strange that she would lie. I found the way that she told me strange. This girl seemed genuinely scared of the experience she'd had. The next story I heard when I was around 18 was from my best friend's mom who grew up in Bolivia close to the jungle. She said that as a little girl she was lured into the jungle by being put into a trance-like state by duendes. She remembers feeling that the duendes wanted to play with her so she followed them towards the jungle and was only snapped out of the trance by her younger sister who had grabbed her before entering the thick of the jungle. This was an honest woman well into her 50s who said things as they were. My last story comes from a good friend of mine, who I believe to be honest with a good head on her shoulders. It's my girlfriend, actually. The story she told me comes from the Philippines. She told me a few other stories that might relate to cryptozoology, but I wait, may wait for another post for that. So about 10 years ago, she visited the Philippines, and while staying at an aunt's house, she noticed her younger cousin behaving oddly. She mentioned it to her aunt, who told her that her cousin plays with duendes. When asking her cousin, who was around seven years old, about the duendes, she told her that she would play with them out near the bushes. She told her the duendes would get mad if she refused to play with them. They would at times hold her back from returning to her house when her mother called, but they wanted to continue playing with her. They even hurt her at times. The aunt confirmed that she had seen them and had been trying to figure out a way to shield her daughter from the duendes. My girlfriend's aunt told her recently that if she asked her daughter about it now, that she wouldn't recall any of it, perhaps due to the trauma of those experiences. Who knows? Accounts of duendes, gnomes, or little people come from all over the world. I've just mentioned some from four different countries and two different continents. I don't believe them to be a work of literary fiction, but a creature we have yet to officially place. I hope this brings others to share any of their experiences. Thanks for reading. I found this one really interesting because she had so many people. They weren't like my uncle's brother's cousin's neighbor's friend's postman had this experience. It was like her family members had the experience and told her about it. Because to me, that's way more convincing than the, you know, nine times re removed friend of so-and-so that saw something. This is like, it really happened. Which makes you go, I like hiking. But maybe I should be more careful, and I definitely won't be whistling when I'm hiking. That is for, for sure and for certain. But it's, it's just interesting that they have all seen something that was so similar. I don't know if they're real or not, but the duendes make for a really interesting topic and something to think about when you're out hiking around the woods with your family and you sort of feel like someone's watching you. Maybe somebody is. They're just really small. And they're just waiting for you to whistle or do something you should not do in the forest. And on that note, I am going to end today's episode. And there should be another, there'll be another, oh crap, I can't remember now what we called it. It's another episode with my best friend, roommate, and we kept changing the name of what that is. And I can't remember what it is. So there'll be another episode of that coming out. We're going to do like five teaser preview episodes and then they are either going to continue to be around or they're going to be patreon or we'll just stop depending on what people think it is going to be mother's day weekend when i am putting this out so if you are a mom bonus mom or other type of mom happy mother's day enjoy your weekend 
If you like the podcast, please subscribe, rate, review. Um, if I ever get any reviews, I'll read them on the podcast if anybody's interested. I would love to hear from you. So if you would like to submit a story or just say hi or connect somehow, my email is hauntedlypodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can take out all the show notes and the links for all of the research and everything I do will be up for every episode on my website, which is hauntedlypodcast.com. And I am on Instagram, Facebook. If you really want to chat with me, Facebook or Instagram is probably the easiest email too, but Facebook and Instagram will pop up immediately. And yeah, so I would love to chat with you if you're listening. Um, I do have a Patreon page if you are interested in joining Patreon. And there's going to be some Patreon exclusive episodes coming up. I am working on the research for those right now. Um, there'll be some every month, but I'm currently working on the first set. So remember, if one door opens when another door closes, your house is probably haunted. See you later. Bye.